I'm sorry, I can't help but think about the hatred and chaos that you see right there. Could you imagine being told no? Could you imagine somebody treating you like that in a relationship? But the reality is most relationships, especially if you're married at some point in time, you treat your spouse or you treat your significant other with some of those comments and those things. And I love how they said, put on the, the best that you have, smile, be gentle and things like that. And sometimes when you smile and you're gentle, you don't get what you are desiring. And so today's sermon title is the rate of return. I want to ask you this question. What is rate of return? In your mind, you don't have to answer it, but when you hear rate of return, what does that mean to you? In, in, in a financial term, a rate of return means I am giving money for something and I'm hoping for a rate of return that is going to increase the investment that I make. And the reality is in most of our marriages, in most of our relationships, you're only going to get out what you put in. If you invested $10 and then walked away from that investment, what's going to happen? It depends, right? You're going to lose money, right? Usually, there's a higher rate of return when you invest on a consistent basis. And one of the things you have to begin to understand is when we talk about relationships, we have to understand that what we put in is what we get out. Why? Because a rate of return is the gain or loss on an investment, the gain or loss on an investment over a specified period of time. If you want to succeed in a marriage relationship or in any relationship, what I have to begin to understand is I have to invest in that relationship over a very long, specific period of time. So if I want to win somebody over into a relationship, then I invest in a relationship in a certain way. And just as every investor wants a high rate of return on investment, every person that I have ever ran into when it comes to a marriage relationship plans on having a high rate of return. But yet here's what happens. Over time, we quit investing. We want the high rate of return without the investment. And the reality is, at least in the financial world, you're not going to have a high rate of return without investing something into the situation. You have to invest in order to get a rate of return, do you not? I mean, you could be the person who only puts in 10 bucks and you may get lucky, but most likely you're not because after a while, that rate of return is going to be significant. A couple years ago, I don't remember when it was, uh, we decided, my brother-in-law, we all pooled our money together. And he invested it for us. It was just a shot in the dark. He's like, look, I can't promise anything, uh, but everybody's going to pool in. I can't remember what we gave, maybe 100, 150. Do you remember what it was? She doesn't want to say, I can't remember. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Because the reality is we did it as a one-time investment. And guess what? It's nothing. We were even talking about over Thanksgiving. We are like, hey, whatever happened to that money? He goes, yeah, it's gone, bro. <laughs> and it was like, well, I kind of figured out. It was just one of those shot in the dark type things that he, you know, it was just like really a guess. But here's the deal. Over the last 20 years, I've been investing in my retirement on a consistent monthly investment. And I look and, and I was, matter of fact, at the end of the year, usually October timeframe, I meet with my financial advisor. 
Um, and we do it over Facebook because it's a guy, or not Facebook, sorry, uh, over FaceTime, whatever it is, uh, on, on our Mac because he's a guy in Springfield. We started investing with him back then. And I was like, hey, I'm going to switch. And he's like, no, don't switch. You don't need to switch. You're just going to, don't mess with it. And I trust this guy. He's a Christian. He was in ministry for years. Now he works for Edward Jones. Anyways, he's my investment guy. And I remember saying, dude, I need more for retirement. And he goes, Brian, you don't realize how far ahead you are on most 40-year-olds. He said, most 40-year-olds don't even have near what you have put aside. But listen, here's the deal. It has been a consistent, slow investing over time that builds that retirement thing. And here's the deal. In reality, in your marriage, in your relationship, it's a consistent slow investing in the relationship that yields the rate of return that I'm wanting. What I put in is what I'm going to get out. And the rate of return is something we have to begin to understand because the sad fact is many of us have a low rate of return or honestly, some have had to file bankruptcy because you've lost everything. And listen, I know there's two parts that play into the factor of a marriage relationship, but your relationships are only gonna be as good, as strong, or as deep as you put in the time, listen, the money, and the effort into the relationship that goes on. See, the difference is the rate of return on your marriage is priceless. The rate of return on your marriage is priceless. You can't put a, a, a price on it. I don't know a single person who has ever entered into a marriage relationship. Well, that's not true. That, not Sorry, let me clarify. In the Navy, there were guys who got married because they could make more money. And they're like, when I get out of the Navy, I'm just gonna, we'll get a divorce. And I don't understand that. Didn't understand it then, but they're like, hey, you know, we worked out this deal and I know it's not right, but I worked out this deal with this girl. We're gonna get married. We can get more money. I'm gonna give her a portion of it. And it was just like, what? Why would you do that? But I don't know of a single person who ever entered into a marriage relationship that said, you know what, my plan is we're going to fail. You know, five years down the road, once we've had kids and stuff, we're just going to go our separate ways and I'm going to pay you child support and you're going to hate my guts and I'm going to hate your guts. And nobody ever went into a marriage relationship with that mentality, do we? We always think about succeeding. We may look at somebody and we may say, hey, I want to be like that person. Maybe it was grandparents. Maybe it was uh, mom and dad. Maybe it's somebody else that you knew that you look at and you go, I want to be that person who's going to succeed and, and, and be the person that has a great marriage. But great marriages don't just happen. They're a result of consistent investment for a lifetime over and over and over again, investing, 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 pouring more money into it, pouring more time into it, pouring more effort into it. It's a consistent thing that goes on. But when you invest in your marriage, you'll have a greater rate of return and blessing than you could ever imagine. I asked my wife recently, <clears throat> just kind of throw her on the spot, what makes our marriage good? <laughs> and she goes, I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. But I, and I can honestly look back, whatever. <laughs> whatever you're saying, I don't get But I, I look back and I, I would say there are times where I'm like, well, I don't know what it is. Is there one factor that just makes a marriage good? No. I think it's consistency over time. 
sacrificing over time. There's times where I sacrifice. There's times where she sacrifices. There's times where there's selfishness on my part. And there's times where there's selfishness on my part. And here's the deal. Here's what I want to encourage you with. We're going to be jumping around in a number of scriptures. I'm going to read you a number of scriptures, but I want you to remember this. The main point, if you remember anything, the more you invest in your marriage, the more valuable it becomes. The more you invest in your marriage, the more valuable it becomes. Now, for those of you who maybe aren't married, were married in the past, things have happened, stuff like that. Here's what I want you to also understand. The more I invest in relationships, the more valuable they become. So it may be friendships. It may be relationships with your kids. It may be coworkers, things like that. But the more I invest in my relationships, the more valuable they become. So I'm going to be talking about marriage, obviously, but I want you to also be able to learn from this aspect and look at your relationships in general, all right? If I want to have a successful marriage, if I want to have a great relationship, it doesn't just happen. It's a result of investment over a lifetime. So how do I invest properly? That's going to be my question. How do I invest properly in the relationships or in my marriage relationship so that I can have a greater than or a greater return, a greater rate of return than I even ever dreamed of. So here's number one. How do I invest properly? I believe you have to invest in your faith. You have to invest in your own faith. You have to invest in your relationship with Christ first and foremost. Your relationship with Christ is the utmost priority in everything that goes on. Why? Because your marriage is the gospel you are preaching to everybody else. Marriage is a reflection of the gospel and your marriage is the perfect thing that you are preaching to everybody else. I show my kids what it means to have a good marriage by living out my marriage in front of them. I let them see that the priority that God has in my life. So I have to invest in my faith. Listen, Galatians chapter six says this. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit will reap eternal life. I wanna ask you this question. What are you sowing in your relationship? Are you investing in your own faith? Are you investing in your relationship? Or is it just a walk through the park? In other words, I don't spend any time in the word with God. I don't spend any time in prayer. I don't really dig in and dig deep and grow in my relationship because your kids see that. The people around you see that. And so the question being asked is, how do I invest properly I want to ask you this. Do you invest in your relationship with Christ? Because coming on Sundays is no different than doing like a one-time investment thing. If you're only growing on Sunday mornings, then you're dying. You're not going to have a high rate of return in your relationship with Jesus Christ because you're only going to live out vicariously through your Sunday school teacher or through the preacher. You're not going to grow in any sort of depth and intimacy with Jesus Christ when you only focus on growing on Sundays. Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine. Now listen to me. These are in relationship to finances, but I want you to understand what he says. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Let me ask you that question. How do I invest properly? How do I invest in my faith? What are you sowing into your relationship? 
That's the question. Do I sow seeds of discord or am I growing in my relationship with Christ? Because if I invest in my faith, if I invest in my relationship with Christ, when I pursue my wife, pursue your wife by reading God's word together, do you read God's word on your own and then do you read God's word with her? Lead her to the throne of God and lead and influence your family well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hear a number of topics or a number of things today and I would just wanna ask you this question. And we, we can go to read Ephesians chapter five, which we've done in the past and, and I think it's one of those things we all have to understand. Ephesians chapter five, verses 22 and following where it talks about the role of wives and husbands and it says, wives submit to your husbands as Christ called you to do in Ephesians chapter five. Wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And in the past, we talked about how that submission has come across negatively. Most men would be like, yeah, submit. You know, I'll even jokingly say at times to my wife, I'll say, know your role. At which then I kind of give a smirk before I get punched. <laughs> because loving submission does not mean slavery. And if you're a husband who deals with that aspect and thinks that your wife should be the slave to you, you miss the whole idea of what that scripture is trying to communicate. Submission to Christ or submission to the husband as submitting to Christ is obedience as I follow Jesus on a daily basis. So am I investing in my faith relationship with Christ? If I'm investing in my relationship with Christ, growing as a husband in Christ, growing in the knowledge of the word and understanding, then I can lead my wife well. But if I'm not, then I'm not gonna lead my wife well. And I'm gonna go even farther to point this out to men because in chapter five, verse 26, it says this. Number one in verse 25, it says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. And then he says this, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without blemish. And let me ask you this, husbands, are you investing in your relationship with your wife by reading the word together? In every relationship, we need to have a mindset, listen, of deposits and withdrawals. There are times to make deposits. And the more deposits I make, the more positive balance I have. The more withdrawals I make, the more what? I lead towards the negative. If you make more withdrawals than deposits, guess what you have? A negative account. A negative account means what? Debt. Debt means what? You're in trouble. You're a slave to the lender. But listen, if I make more deposits than withdrawals, because everybody knows that in every relationship, you're going to have a withdrawal, right? Like when you make a snappy comment, a short, quick, snappy, rude, temperamental comment, guess what that is? That's a withdrawal. That is the point where I am making a withdrawal on the relationship. And if your deposits are less than with your, your withdrawals, then you're going to have a negative balance. A negative balance is not a good deal in a relationship situation. A negative balance leads me into problems. It leads me to go into situations I shouldn't be in. It leads me to run to people to get a loan for something in order to make the difference. And the reality is in the relationship thing, a negative balance is a problem. So listen, invest in your faith. Listen to what I mean by that. In Deuteronomy chapter six, 
it says that we are to invest in or impress on our children and on our family all of these things. I'm going to flip over there and I want to read this to you because listen to what he says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. In other words, it's on your heart. It's a part of who you are. It's almost engraved or emblazed on your heart. They are to be upon your hearts. And then he says in verse seven, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols. And listen to me. When I do that, when I grow in my relationship with Christ as a husband, as a wife, my kids see that. They see the necessity of it. They see the importance of that. They see it lived out. But here's the greatest struggle. When you don't live it out and your kid calls you on the carpet for saying, dad, that wasn't very nice. You didn't live it out. One of the biggest struggles I faced as a youth pastor was when kids would come to me. One of the things that I dealt with the most was when kids would come to me and say, my parents talked to me about this relationship with Christ, but their, their, their example is far from it. How do, I, how, do I, how do I work my way through this when it doesn't change them? Because hear me out, teenagers are looking. And if it doesn't work for a parent, guess what they start to do? They start to doubt. Well, this can't be real. Jesus isn't real in their life. Jesus hasn't changed their work attitude. Jesus hasn't changed their work ethic. Jesus didn't change their marriage. My dad's still this way or my mom's still that way. And I have to grow in my faith. And I, and I want to encourage you that. Husbands, listen to what he says again. To impress them upon her water. To, to present her, her, her or sorry, her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church. But ladies, listen to me. In Proverbs chapter 31, we see it consistently played out of what it means to be a woman of character, a woman of integrity, and a, a woman who is gonna follow God on a daily basis. Listen to what it says in chapter 31, starting in verse 20. Uh, let me, sorry, find my spot here. 31 verse 26. She speaks with wisdom. And faithful instruction is on her tongue. Does that mean it's her wisdom or godly wisdom? It's godly wisdom. She speaks with wisdom. In other words, the wisdom of God rolls off of her mouth and it says that faithful instruction is on her tongue. Wives or ladies, when you are growing in your faith with Christ, you can point your kids in the right direction. You can help your husband through the difficult times and struggles. Listen, there is no greater responsibility. I have this and I believe this is one of the reasons why Satan does what he does. But there is no greater responsibility, I believe, than being a husband. And your husband has enough hard times trying to make decisions and trying to lead well without negativity and attack. He needs your encouragement. He needs your love. He needs your submissiveness. He needs your help. There is no greater attack on a husband's heart than when a wife goes negative. Once it goes negative, and I don't know many men will probably ever admit to this, but once you go negative, you do nothing but cast doubt upon their ability to lead. And listen to me, that is Satan's greatest 
greatest tool and weapon to use in your marriage and relationship. I believe that most husbands won't lead well because their wives don't love well. And I'm not casting the blame on the wife because I believe it's the husband's role to lead out. Trust me. But listen, a negative response from a wife and the weight and the burden that's already going on and Satan working to cast doubt and destruction in the relationship will do nothing more than tear your husband down to nothing. But husbands, listen to me. It's your responsibility to grow in your faith. The more you grow in your faith, the more the fiery darts of Satan when they're launched at you, the more that shield of faith can be used up to hold up to, to block those fiery darts. You have to be growing in your faith relationship to invest in your marriage, in your relationship with your kids. If you're not growing in your own faith, you are failing in your faith. I'm just telling you that. So you've got to make the priority to grow in your faith. And listen to me. When we talked about Deuteronomy chapter five, when you sit at the dinner table or drive in your car or at bedtime, when you share what God has taught you from your devotional time in the scriptures that day, if God has planted his word in your heart, then you need to share them with your wife and your kids because that's what it's talking about in Deuteronomy chapter six. To impress them on your kids to let them see the love you have for Christ on a daily basis so that, listen, you can be successful. You can invest in that relationship. When I invest in myself spiritually, I am actually investing in everybody else around me. So you have to invest in your faith first. Remember what we talked about last week? We said that your faith, your your foundation has to be built upon God's word. Everything else is gonna fall apart if your foundation is not built solidly upon God's word. So invest in that relationship. The more you invest in your marriage, the more valuable it becomes. And listen, there is no greater investment than you can make in your relationship than you spending your personal time in the word. You need it. You should desire it. You're gonna be bankrupt without it. You will have a low rate of return. It is a guarantee that you will have a low rate of return on your marriage relationship if you don't spend time in the word. So how do I invest properly? I have to invest in my faith. Number two, I have to invest in my love, in your love for other people. First John chapter four, I love the, 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 the book of First John, but in First John chapter four, we used to sing the song, Sarah would, uh, I'm not gonna sing it, I'm not gonna torture you with that, uh, but there is a great song that kind of goes with it, just a little chorus, but listen to what he says in First John chapter four, verse seven. Dear friends, let us love one another. Why? Because love comes from who? For love comes from God. Everyone who, is lo- who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And so I have to invest in the love that I have with other people. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that, God, that, that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete 
in us. When you love other people, when you invest in your love in that relationship with other people, you are showing them God. Listen to what he says again. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. When I love other people, then God lives in me and his love is made complete in me. So I have to invest in my love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the famous verses, all that love is patient, love is kind, love does not boast, love is not self-seeking. You, you get the picture. Love never fails. When you invest in your love relationship with your spouse, with your kids, and things like that, you will have a higher rate of return than if you don't invest in them. And listen to me, men especially, you have to communicate love. You can't expect that they just know it. I'm sorry, I don't care what you say. I don't care about the toughness of man, gotta be thick-skinned, you, you have to learn to communicate your love for your family and for your spouse. It shouldn't be, well, I bring home a paycheck so she knows I love her. Serious? There's lots of men out there who have no relationship with Christ who are bringing home a paycheck and cheating on their spouse. Does that mean they love him? Invest in your love. Pour more money, more time, more effort, and more energy into loving your wife and loving your kids than anything else. And listen, there are times where you have to make deposits and you make withdrawals. But listen, we lead best when we love most. You want to lead well? You want to be a great father? You want to be a great husband? You lead best when you love the most. Not when you're the toughest. Not when you think, well, they know I love them. You lead best when you love the most. Love is patient. It is kind. You can go all the way throughout that. But I ask you this, are you investing in your love relationship? See, your marriage needs more deposits than withdrawals to have a positive account. I'm gonna give you some things to think about when we talk about deposits, all right? I'm gonna jump back even just to give you some deposits. Here's some deposits in investing in your faith. Reading the Bible, reading the Bible together, praying by myself, Praying with my spouse, praying with my kids, talking about the lesson from church, talking about the lesson from Sunday school. Listen, being involved in church, not making church a secondary thing, but church a primary thing. Those are deposits in your faith. Here's a withdrawal in your faith, not living the gospel out, negative comments about people from the church, not necessarily, or not reading scripture, not praying, avoiding conversations about godly things in my home. Those are things that are gonna be withdrawals in my relationship. Here's some deposits for investing in your love. Go on dates. I find it funny and ironic that we'll do all of these things to win our wives over, our spouses over. We get married and all of a sudden it stops. And look, this is a pot calling the kettle black. All right, I'm just gonna say it there. We're not the greatest about going out on dates. But if I wanna invest in my love with my spouse, 
You should go out on dates. Matter of fact, you should go out on dates that they don't want to go to or that you don't want to go to that they would love. I know. <laughs> I know, trust me. I'm thinking of all kinds of things going, no, no, no. My idea of the perfect date would be front row tickets to a Royals game. Sarah could care less. But you know how many times Sarah has bought me tickets to, the, to baseball games? A lot. Anniversary gifts. We always get good seats somewhere. She's like, oh, I got these tickets. And she, she's done things like that. She has gone above and beyond to invest in my love or her love for me. She has done that over and over and over again. And one of the things I can say is when you invest in your love and you do the things your spouse wants to do and not the things that you, the things you may not want to do, those are investments. Those are deposits that have a positive rate of return, usually more positive than you're even gonna get credit for. So I go on dates. I talk and dream with each other. We pray for each other. But here's withdrawals in investing in your love. Here's a withdrawal, name calling, yelling, threats, insults, abusive language. Maybe you get in an argument and you threaten with divorce or maybe you say, you're always like that. You never do. Ignoring each other and not focusing on the needs of the other spouse. See, love is the only thing that can change a heart. The love of God is the only thing that can change a calloused, stone-cold person's heart to, to follow him. And the love of God is the only thing that will change the heart of your spouse. It's not nagging. It's not turning a cold shoulder. It's not lecturing. It's not ignoring or anything else. If I want to invest in the love of my wife or my kids, then I have to play it out day in and day out where I invest in them. Listen, my wife has grown accustomed to dealing with amphibious reptile type things because our son loves them. We went to the reptile exhibit not too long ago um, where Ethan got a crested gecko, which the crested geckos are cool. They're awesome. But we're walking past the table and here's a big glass cube with a bunch of little ones next to it. And it's got a tarantula in it. Dad, can I get it? No. When I move out, I'm getting a tarantula. Well, have at it, buddy. You'll never have a wife. <laughs> so maybe, maybe that's a, a, a situation or circumstance, but, but he, he's got that played out to the T. But true love played out day in and day out can change the attitudes and thoughts of your spouse. And I want you to ask that question. Is the love that I'm living out daily for my spouse a reflection of the gospel? First John chapter four. God is love and I love them. And when I love them, it's played out that God is showing his love through me. Am I investing in my love of my spouse? And the last thing, in order to have a successful marriage, I have to invest in, listen, we talk about investing in your love and I think your love needs to grow. But I'm asking you this question, do you invest in your spouse? Because remember, you reap what you sow. I've had multiple people tell me, well, I don't need to go to a marriage conference. They're just gonna tell me the same thing over and over again. But I wanna ask you this question. When you've gone to the marriage conference, have you put it into action, what you learned? 
Or have you let it go in one ear and out the other? See, to me, a marriage conference, when I've gone to the marriage conference, we went to one, I guess I was like three years ago. You guys sent us to the one, the, the, the family life one over in Kansas. And we went to it and we started having real conversations because they give you time to break down and have some conversations. And I was like thinking, man, I'm doing pretty good. I got this down. I'm like, so what do you think about this? And she's like, well, I kind of, and I was like, that's not what I was expecting. And I remember talking about a month later, we'd, we'd worked on some things. And she said, man, you were doing great for a couple weeks. And then you went right back to your same old, same old. And it's called habit. It's called neglect. It's called not investing in the right things. And here's what I'm saying when I talk about investing in your spouse. Maybe or maybe not, this is you. But you probably spend more time investing in your kids and grandkids than you do your spouse. And if that's the case, then you've messed everything up. And here's the reason why. When a husband and wife come together and the two become one, that is the primary relationship in a family. And when the kids become primary, when the kids become the focus, and listen to me, I'm not telling you not to love your kids. I'm not telling you not to be involved in their activities. But when the kids become the primary focus, then everything's out of whack. And when everything's out of whack, guess what your relationship reaps? It reaps what you sow. Every return that you get on a relationship is a result of what you sow in the relationship. And so I'm going to use this as an example, and I know this may come across a little bit differently, but Matthew chapter 6 says this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so my question would be, do you treasure your spouse? Do you love your spouse? Do you look up to your spouse? Do you push them to become better? And I believe wholeheartedly that we are in an oversensitized community or we are in an oversensitized time with technology and chaos and undersensitive to the needs of our spouse and our relationships. We are so in tune with technology that we miss out on the relationships with which we should be building, not based upon technology, but based upon the love we have for that person. And so here's some deposits. Again, I'm going to go back to this. Date your spouse. I think about all the times we did things like going to a park and going on a walk. Go to a movie, which I've found that now that we've gotten older, a movie is not where we like to go on a date because all you do is sit down and you don't talk. It's like, oh, hey. I think movies back in the day when you first started dating are the way to be with a person without having to talk to them. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, okay, awkward moment. Let's not talk. Let's watch a movie. And then we somehow fall in love with this person. And then we go into a marriage and we're like, let's go to a movie. And you don't talk. Dating your spouse may mean something as simple as we went out to the boardwalk. I don't know what call it the boardwalk. I don't know. There's a bridge out North Kansas City. And we walked down the concrete sidewalk. Down to underneath the bridge and then came all the way back. You know which one I'm talking about? The bridge that goes over. It's on, a, what is that, 29, 35? You know the funny looking bridge? The cool looking bridge? The, the, the kind of new one, I guess? The, the white? River, yeah, Riverfront Park. Thank you. So, so we, go, we went down to Riverfront Park. We walked up and down there, and I went down and got something to eat down there. 
just to hang out. We talked. It was hotter than everything. You can tell, I mean, it was like middle of August, right? Let's go find some AC. It's too hot. <laughs> but going on dates are a huge way to be able to communicate with your wife. So dating your spouse, do the things they like to do. Listen, spend 15 minutes talking together while getting ready for dinner. I'm going to throw some other things out that husbands, you may get mad at me, but you're just going to have to get over it. How many of you help your wife get dinner ready or get, help her clean up from dinner? Yeah, to me, it's brownie points. And I always joke around. I say, Sarah, you're spoiled. You know how many guys go and sit down in the recliner? And <laughs> Listen to me. I, my wife made a sarcastic comment. I don't know what she said. <laughs> Listen, here are some things that I believe wholeheartedly you can do. And this is something that I learned. It's, and this is not, this is something that our family did growing up. We cleaned up as a family. The kids didn't run off and go, go play around. It was like, no, you get in here and you're going to clean dishes. And we're all, all a part of it. Like, I hate to wash dishes. Sarah loves to wash them. I'll dry all day. Let me dry and put them away. We're golden. She hates to dry. So it works out perfect. And then we just make our kids become, you know, you're, you're sweeping the floor, you're wiping off the table, you're clearing the table. We got all of this stuff planned out. You may think, think that's insignificant, but that contributes to your relationship. You are a part of it. You get to talk about things at that time. And it's not just that. Maybe it means that you cook dinner one night or two nights. Maybe it means that you clean up and let your wife go away. But let, let me also say this, wives, because this is one of the things, big thing. When your husband comes home and you bombard him with everything under the sun right as he walks through the door, that's not an investment. That's a withdrawal. <laughs> let him say hi. Love on him for a little bit. Give him a hug, give him a kiss, encourage him. How was your day? Listen to him. He may say, fine, which most likely is going to be that way. Fine. He doesn't want to share everything that went on like you want to share. But when you invest in that relationship, it is completely different. See, when I invest and make deposits in my spouse, I'm putting their needs and their desires and their wants above my own. So here's a withdrawal. I just gave you some deposits. Here's a withdrawal. Sitting around while your spouse does all the work. Negative comments, maybe about cooking, maybe about cleaning, maybe about what she's wearing, maybe about what went on in the house, maybe about not working as a team. Those are withdrawals. And so here's the thing. The more you invest in your relationship, the more valuable it becomes. I just ask you this very simply. What are you investing? Because you reap what you sow. Are you sowing seeds to grow your faith? Are you sowing seeds to grow your love? And are you sowing seeds to grow your spouse? Or are you only worried about yourself? I'm telling you, I believe wholeheartedly that God, just uh, as we talked about the, the, the let the ruins come to life, I believe that God wants to do that even in marriage relationships today that what may be broken, what may be destroyed, what may be getting beat down and discouraged, 
can be encouraged. And listen, what went on in that video earlier where he talked about you're always looking at the other person, I'm not asking you to look at them. I'm asking you to look at yourself and ask yourself, am I investing in the relationship the way I should be? Because if you want to have a successful marriage, it takes time, money, and effort on your part and on the other person's part, or you will not succeed. Let's pray. Father, we know that there are deposits and withdrawals in life. I deal with it with our kids. We deal with it with our spouses. We deal with it with coworkers. There are times where we have conflict and disagreement, and we know that that's a withdrawal. But God, I pray that our deposits would be greater than our withdrawals, knowing that you at times make withdrawals on our life because you discipline us. You want, us to, you want to correct us. You want to make us right. But God, we know most of all that you have made great deposits in our life with your love, with your grace, with your mercy, with your forgiveness. And we thank you for the fact that Jesus' death on the cross offers us life and life more abundantly, that we can know the truth and the truth will set us free, that we can experience a marriage that is out of this world, the one that you expected and one that you planned, because that's how you created it. And so God, I pray for the marriages here. Maybe they're future marriages, maybe they're broken marriages, maybe there are situations and struggles that people have faced that, look, I know we can't even begin to comprehend and understand some of the difficulties that people have walked through. But God, I know that you want to do a work in our relationships. And so God, may we understand that what we get, the rate of return we get is a result of what we invest. So God, may we be people who invest in our relationships. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you?